This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. This is Manny Cotto, executive producer of Star Trek Enterprise. You're listening to Warp 5 on Trek FM. How we doing, Trip? Ready when you are. Prepare for warp. Course laid in, sir. Request permission to get underway. Let's go. Welcome, Boomers, to another episode of Warp 5, Trek FM's dedicated enterprise show. I'm Brandon Shea your host for this mission, and I'm joined by... Amy Nelson, co-host of Earl Grey. And she's come to raid the kitchen. <laughs> yes, I am. Get some of that <laughs> upside-down pineapple cake. Upside-down pineapple cake. So, uh, welcome, Amy. This is your very first time on Warp 5. Yes, it is, and it is uh, my pleasure to be here. So, are you an Enterprise fan? Well, I have to say, um, since doing the rewatch um, for the 50th anniversary, I was just very impressed with Enterprise. And so now I am a huge fan. I, every episode, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so good. Why didn't I like it when it was on? I don't know. But I'm a fan now. Did you watch it when it was originally on? I did watch a few episodes, probably more so, um, well, I know more so than Deep Space Nine or Voyager, because I just, I really wanted to like it, but I guess I wasn't in the right mindset back then. Mm -hmm. And now that you've had a chance to go through it, do you have any favorite episodes, favorite characters, favorite season? Well, I liked one, two, and four. (laughs) So I guess three was my least. You didn't like the Zindi arc? No, I did not. It was too out there for me. Uh, And, you know, that's sort of the problem with binge watching is that you go and you watch everything so fast, it doesn't really sink in. And since I was doing a binge watch, you know, keeping up with um, from there to here, it's sort of flown by. So I'm going to make time and, you know, savor and watch uh, the episodes again. Cool. Yeah, me too. I think I'm going to have to do another rewatch here pretty quick. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But uh, we've had the chance to recently watch one of the uh, least favorite episodes by most fans, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. I Um, didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Most people don't like this episode at all. Most people, well, as far as I could tell, most people seem pretty frustrated by this one here. So um, so what we did was we were going to talk about the episode Acquisition from Season 1, which is about the Ferengi. And uh, in a nutshell, what this episode is, so we'll just give a synopsis of the episode. Um, so... The ship comes across the Enterprise and it seems to be adrift and everybody seems to be unconscious. And as these aliens come on board, they start to steal stuff. And we as the viewers know who they are, but uh, uh, 
trip is in the uh the what do they call it the decon chamber and uh he wakes up he comes out and he he saves the ship in his underwear and uh Captain Archer wakes up and starts talking to these aliens that we never really find out about who they are. And uh, at the end of the day, everything's fine. And they they manage to outwit the, these unnamed aliens and get all of their stuff back and leave Jeffrey Coombs in charge. As he should summary? be. Yes, that's As a great summary. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, so what a lot of people didn't like about this episode, I've found, is just having the Ferengi on there. So um, now you're the one of the hosts of Earl Grey, and basically the first time that we saw the Ferengi uh, was in the outpost, the last outpost from season one of, of uh, The Next Generation. And we in that episode, it was established that humans had never seen the Ferengi before. They didn't know what they looked like. They didn't really know much about them. So here we are. We have this episode that takes place basically 200 years before that, and we've got Ferengi interacting with people. And so that's what a lot of people didn't seem to really like about this episode. So as one of the hosts of the Earl Grey, our Next Generation podcast, how do you feel? Well, I think how I view it in my head canon is, you know, Archer and the humans never really knew who this species was. So all he did was give the warning at the end, don't come across you know, any Federation starship again, or you'll be in trouble type of thing. So he gave that warning. So the Ferengi knew about Vulcans and humans. And so they knew us, but we never knew them. So it makes sense that, you know, when uh, Picard and Riker, you know, come across them, that they don't know who they are because it was never apparently logged in any, uh, you know, captain's log or anything. But you don't think that there would have been any, you know, cameras in the hallways, security footage of these aliens? Uh, that could be, I guess. Um, you know, and, and there could be, you know, record of we came across some aliens. But, you know, to call them by name of Ferengi, that was never said. Yeah, no, they never did call them Ferengi. Now, um, there is something very interesting here. So... Uh, this episode's about two thirds of the, or two thirds, three quarters of the way through the season. But halfway through the season, we had the episode "Dear Doctor," uh, which is the episode where Phlox is making his log entries, and uh, they have a way that they can save this race. But there's this, there's this other race of people on the planet. Um, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do a very good summary of this episode. But there's a, there's a race of people who are dying on the planet, and there's another race that if they give the cure, will keep these people oppressed, and if they don't give the cure then this oppressed race can become more and it's more have more potential basically and uh it's a very it's a fan favorite episode but in that episode one really cool thing is they mention that the Ferengi have been there recently they actually name dropped the Ferengi in that episode which is about 6 or 7 episodes prior to acquisition and then not only that but uh one of the Ferengi says what do you think i am a mink and the mank is the oppressed people on that planet. So, like, even here, these are probably the same Ferengi that were, like, stealing the warp drive or whatever from that other race. But, I mean, like, they name drop it, and it does fit continuity-wise within the first season. Oh, man. Well, there goes my theory, if they know about the Ferengi. <laughs> well, it's not the humans that know about it. It's this other this other planet that they went to that name dropped the Ferengi, right? Hmm. 
So yeah, it's not it's not the the Earth ship. They heard it and probably just in passing. But I watched carefully when I watched this episode this time, and the name Ferengi was never mentioned in Acquisition once. Right. Yeah, I recognize that as well. How do you think the Ferengi are portrayed in this? How do you think they compare to later representations of them in Next Generation as well as D Space Nine? Let's start with comparing it to Next Gen. Well, when we first see the Ferengi, they are, as has been described, very monkey-esque and in their behaviors and the hoo-hoo-ha-ha and their long arms and stuff like that. And it was interesting to see their whip, you know, still had that in Enterprise, you know, for their weapons and stuff. I loved that callback so much. The fact that that one Ferengi had a whip. Yes, (laughs) it was. I know that was perfect. So they were, you know, paying tribute. Um, and so the Ferengi weren't as monkey-like as they were in the the last outpost. However, at the end, when they're going into the, the vault, um, yeah, so you see that and there, those characteristics of these monkey-like things. So that, but through the episode, they weren't portrayed that well compared to the last outpost because of that. So they were more intelligent i guess you would say yeah for sure the acting was very different like they weren't hunched over like they were in right. the last outpost right they were walking and walking around like normal mm-hmm. and um they were they were very similar in character traits i think to like rom rom and quark you know so they had a lot of similarities to the d space 9 portrayal uh but they did they were trying to have that call back to the next gen they didn't have as much fur as they had in the next generation on their outfits yes yes <laughs> thankfully <laughs> But um, they had they they did a lot of callbacks that they had that were really developed over the D Space Nine run. Like they did the callbacks for the uh, for the rules of acquisition. Yes. And one of the things that I thought that was really cool is they mentioned I know all 173 rules of acquisition, and in D Space Nine there's 285. So I think it's interesting that like so here we are 100 years well 200 years later and we get another 212 or sorry 112. Uh, rules of acquisition are they're continually adding to them and changing them yeah and i like that they still had their like command structure like there was one who was in control and then the others who were their you know little fledglings you know so that was <laughs> consistent yes absolutely did you recognize any of the other actors in the roles oh no i'm not very good at that so tell me about them there's four different actors that play the Ferengi in this episode, and I recognized three of them. So we've already mentioned that we had Jeffrey Coombs playing a Ferengi. So we've had him established as a Ferengi in the past. He played Brunt on D Space Nine, um, and he does a good job here, I think, as a Ferengi. I think he's he's wonderful as the aliens. How would you think of uh, Jeffrey Coombs? Yeah, he's fabulous no matter what he does. I mean, you just you see him all over. <laughs> Jeffrey Coombs is everywhere. And he does such a good, good job. It's very impressive, actually. What's your favorite role of his so far? Um, I I like him, uh, Shran. Shran, really? yeah, yeah. Oh, you like the uh, you like Andorians. So the second Ferengi that we have that's memorable is Clint Howard. Now, Clint Howard is Ron Howard's little brother, and we've seen him on Star Trek a couple of times. Uh, he was little. Little Baylock in the Corbomite maneuver, which was the original series season one episode, when they come, he was that little that little baby man who had the fake dummy. Do you remember this episode? Oh 
okay, yeah. He was oh the my one who's gosh, the really? Yeah, oh, so I didn't know then. that. He was in D Space Nine as well in the the two parter past tense when Cisco and Dax and Bashir go back in time uh, to that those ghettos in San Francisco, um, and Dax is with the people, and Cisco ends up taking over the personality of the guy who died, who the Bell riots. Hmm, not sounding familiar, but... Anyways, he was in it. He played what they called a dim, which is like the less intelligent people or whatever. So he played a dim in that episode. Um, and then he's been in this one as well. So yeah, Ron Howard's little brother, and, and he looks he looks exactly like he did when he was a kid, <laughs> even with the Ferengi makeup on. Um, now, the third Ferengi that's recognizable was the main guy, and I'm pretty surprised you didn't recognize him. But it was Neelix. Oh, really? Yes. No, I did not recognize him. Wow. Yeah, I thought he did a, I thought he did a great job of it. Um, Ethan Phillips, who played Neelix, uh, was the main guy. And I think he did a really good job. I liked his tone of voice and everything. Like when he whips that guy and he's just like, why aren't you sleeping? You know, <laughs> just, I just like, he had some really good deliveries on there. But uh, yeah, so I think they did a good job then if you didn't recognize that it was Neelix. Yes, excellent. Well, yeah, and great acting for me to not make that connection. <laughs> totally different, yeah, personality and character. Perfect. And uh, the fourth one here, let me just see if I can bring up the name. Matt Malloy, which who I'm not as familiar with here, but we're just going to take a quick look on Memory Alpha and we're going to check him out. So he's not been in a lot of Star Trek, so I guess he did some voice work for the uh, the video games Elite Force Two. Um, but uh, yeah, he's so he he hasn't really been in, in Star Trek, so that's probably why I didn't recognize him because that's mm. all that I watch is Star Trek. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> what do you, like in a nutshell? What do you think of the episode? Do you think it's good? Do you think it's okay that we had the the Ferengi in this time zone? Yeah, I I do. I think it's really good. I like you know because they do have the. I don't know. Is it a callback when it's 200 years in the future? Um, you know, with the whip and then, you know, the umoks and, you know, so you're, you're seeing these things that we already know about. And so it's cool to have it be reintroduced, I guess you could say, you know, in enterprise and to see, um, how Archer's crew, you know, uh, responds to them and interacts with them. Yeah. I, I don't, so people just don't like it because the Ferengi, it's 200 years before, is that? Right. I think the big issue is the continuity issue is what mm. most people have. Um, if there's any other issues that people have, please let us know in the Babel Conference, which is our Trek FM listeners only group. But um, it they think that it breaks continuity by having them in there and it's, it's it breaks established continuity. And I felt that way as well, the first few times that I watched this episode, I was not happy to see the Ferengi in here. I thought it was fan service. I thought it was a little bit too much fan service. And I also thought that it didn't make any sense because of what had been established in the last outpost and the battle, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in that episode, Captain Picard, who was captain of the Stargazer, you know, he was on like some, he was captain of the Stargazer for 20 some years before he took over the Enterprise, right? For a long time. Right. And his, so his final mission 
as captain of the Stargazer, was battling an unknown ship, who they figured out later was the Ferengi. And and the Stargazer was a deep space exploration ship. Okay, it was a Constellation class ship with four warp nacelles on it, right? So like that, the reason for it was so that it could go far fast. And so the con- the the established continuity there is that the Ferengi are far away from Earth. And they're not going to get that far in Enterprise. Right. That's true. That's true. So I think that's what people have the most problem with. I Now that I've seen it a few times, I, I like it and I enjoy it. I still don't think it fits continuity-wise. I don't think that there would be Ferengi this far out from basically their established shipping lanes or whatever you want to call it. Well, but didn't you just mention that uh, in the Dr dear doctor 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 that dear doctor yeah that they had that that colony had come across the ferengi so they're in that same general area i, I think that they were they were setting it up to have the ferengi later on mm-hmm. right and again that was a callback saying oh ferengi right a race that we've heard of um but again it still doesn't fit continuity wise to have the ferengi in this timeline Yes, we've got it. The seeds dropped of their name being mentioned a few episodes previous. Mm-hmm. But there's no reason they should be this close to Earth. Yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so now some people seem to have, I'll ask you this here. So some people seem to have a problem with the fact that the, the Ferengi basically want to take the women off of the ship as well and sell them into slavery. And to me, that's... That seems in character for Ferengi. That seems like something that they'd want to do. For sure. For profit. You better believe it. Yeah. I mean, we've got the Orions. Later on in Enterprise, we get we see the Orion markets, right? The slave markets. Exactly. And to me, it makes a lot of sense. And they've never seen Vulcans before. So they, they, he's like, what species is that? That's a Vulcan. And it's neat that you know, uh, Jeffrey Coombs' character is infatuated with DePaul because of her ears, right? Like, they've got a they've got a thing for ears, right? Exactly. See, so. now that was the one part of the episode that it... That was weird because I'm like, well, if the Ferengi, if they're well-traveled, and like you said, they're all through the quadrant, obviously, now close to us, wouldn't they have come across Vulcans? I mean, because Vulcans have been flying around forever, you know, as far as we know, type of thing. So... Uh, that was weird to me. I'm like, well, why don't the Ferengi know the Vulcans? Mm-hmm. That so that did sort of throw. That was really the only thing that threw me out, and I had a question about in the whole episode. Cool. Yeah, right on. So, are there any aspects of the episode you want to bring up? Anything you thought that was really cool? Anything you thought that was really bad? It was weird seeing uh, Trip in his underwear for the majority of the show. So that was a oh, little I forgot weird about that part. Yeah. I know. I wish I, I could it? really. <laughs> um, so I just, you know, you wake up and you go, and I know there's, you know, you've got your priorities, but running around in your underwear just seems a little weird and it would take two seconds to put on your jumper suit. But um, yeah, any thoughts on that? See, I didn't have a problem with that myself. Um, other than the fact that it makes me insecure about my body. Right. <laughs> yeah, he but, does have a nice body. <laughs> but um, see, I, I love the idea of the decon chamber. I think it's so perfect, right? Because 
we have in the next generation times, we have transporters that can filter out any particles that you might come across when you're on a planet. And we're in a time when they're not using the transporters for that. And probably those filters haven't been added to the transporters because people aren't transporting very often right now. They could do it in emergencies and they've shown a few situations. And in fact, actually, yeah, those filters would not be there because in the second episode, Fight or Flight, they beam that guy up and he gets all those branches and leaves and twigs and stuff like integrated into his body when they, when they, when they beam him up to the ship. But the idea of the decon changer is so wonderful because they've got to have this area where they can get rid of these alien contaminants that they would have come across on a planet. So they go in this area. It's basically like a sauna. Yeah, I guess it's, it's a little bit funny that it's a little bit sexy, but, uh, the, the idea of it makes total sense to me. He wouldn't have his uniform because his uniform would have been right. taken off and sent to either the, the incinerator or the cleaners, right? So he wouldn't have it with him, so we would have to get there. And the fact that nobody's answering him, I think his priority is going to be to try and figure out what's going on rather than put on some clothes, right? I don't know. Maybe there's another outfit on the other side of the door, but maybe there isn't, right? I don't know. It, I always assumed that the decon chamber was in sick bay or very close to it. Right. And I, I never really got a spatial orientation. And in this, it's clearly not. It's clearly pretty far away from sick bay because he's got to walk there. Yeah. What, one other thing. Also, if it, you've got this decon chamber and maybe it was just poor set design, but when he's trying to open those doors... It is so flimsy and he's like, <laughs> really, he could just open it. And I'm like, well, if you're trying to not let contaminants out into the ship, wouldn't it be more hermetically sealed or, you know, something that's a little stronger than just, oh, let me pry this open. You know, I, I, that was a little weird to me as well. I'm like, it's that easy to break into a decon chamber or to get out. So Amy's dissing the set design. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I saw that too on my watch. I'm like, yeah, those are those are not very thick right. doors there. They're moving. Yeah, and how is that going to protect the Enterprise from all of these, you know, alien contaminants? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so a lot of people, they know this is the one where uh, where they're all running, where Trips are known as underwear. But uh, I don't know. I like this episode a lot. I think it's fun. I, I can get over the fact that the Ferengi are there and... You know they they were at a, they were having a tough time trying to come up with ideas. I'm sure, like you know, this is 14 years of straight Star Trek. You know, you're in your 15th year of straight Star Trek, third series under your belt. This is the fourth one now. You know, they're probably getting a little bit drained for ideas. And you know, basically, the Ferengi had become a fan favorite on D Space Nine. Right. You know, I think a lot of people really like the Ferengi. I really like the Ferengi. Yeah. Um, I, you don't do, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're okay. They're neither here nor there for me. So, yeah, they're there. It's because uh, you haven't tried Umox yet. I know. Okay, yes, I need the Umox. <laughs> <laughs> so one other thing I really thought was brilliant was um, to Paul. You know, when Trip wakes her up, and then they have to hide because the Ferengi come in, and but she's you know uh, coherent. And but playing, you know, asleep. And then Captain Archer's like, oh, you don't want her, you know, and she's boring and can is a pain in the butt and stuff like that. Okay, at the end, 
when to Paul, he's Captain Archer's locked up in the handcuffs and she's got the key and she's dangling it, you know, and she says it with a straight face. And I don't know how she does it. I'm boring. You know, I mean that for Vulcan to not have humor, that's hilarious. And she delivers it perfectly. Did you See, like I, that? Scene? I didn't like that part. I think that's out oh. of character for her because, you know, she would have known what's going on. She would have known the, the guys try to take her and like sell her to a market and Archer's trying to prevent that from happening. Right. Oh, she and, knows it. That's, that's what makes it funny, Brandon. Right. But so, but so it's just as much out of character as the fact that she's making a joke. This is to Paul. She's cutting breadsticks with knives and forks. She doesn't tell jokes. Uh, that's, that's what makes it funny. I appreciated it, and I think it's an excellent scene. And Jolene Blaylock played it perfectly. <laughs> I, you're wrong. <laughs> See, Spock got away with it because he's half human. Tuvok got away with it because we were with him for seven years. I don't know. Maybe it's just a bit too early for me to No, to no, no. Okay, that. so I had this conversation on uh, the Babel Conference because I was – during my rewatch, I was like, what is up with DePaul? She's not Vulcan. So, um, and then someone pointed out, well, this is, you know, way before the Vulcans really solidified their, uh, you know, bearing their emotions type of thing. So she is still in that realm of, I've got emotions. What are we doing with it? That's what was explained to me. Okay. You don't agree. No. Oh. Like, they're still trying to repress their emotions, right? And they talk about it. They don't do as good of a job because they they don't have the teachings of Surak at this point, right? Yeah, that's what was explained to me. But they're still attempting to hide their emotions and they talk about it all the time about how they're hiding their emotions like you get fusion uh where they i think it's fusion which is the one where they meet the ship of people who are trying to explore their emotions yes like i know fusion's the one with the mind melds but is that the same one i don't know i think people will probably correct me if i'm wrong here but they come across that ship of vulcans who explore their emotions and that's taboo right but that's still sort of going on. Like there's, yeah, you've got this, you know, group of people that are doing, exploring their emotions and, you know, yeah, you're before those teachings. And so it's more acceptable. And I think she's in that realm. <laughs> okay. I'll, you laugh I'll at me. Uh, no, I'll concede it. I, I'll concede <laughs> it to you. I'm, I'm fine with that for now. Good okay. enough. I'm good enough. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fun. I, I, I like this episode and I had a really good time watching it the other night. I actually watched it with my daughter, Esri, she was, who's three and a half and, uh, she was, a, she was not going to bed. So she was up late with me and, uh, she was just talking away, blah, blah, blah the whole time. And she's like, those guys have big ears. Those guys have big heads. And, and th- she didn't like them cause they have bad teeth, I think. But yeah. Uh, was, well, and so they fun. took Porthos and put him in that container. I didn't like that. Okay. I did not like that scene. That's the one thing I didn't like when they're trying to talk to Porthos. Yeah. You know, they're like, I don't know. I think they're just trying to play the Ferengi dumb. So I, I'd say that's probably the part of the episode that I that I liked the least. But um, Yeah, their translator wasn't working. <laughs> what do you think of... Uh, what do you think of Archer in this episode? 
and the way that he's like manipulating this other Ferengi. Oh yeah, that that was very well done. I think it was very smart on his part. I mean, what what else can you do when you're only working with that one, you know, character, and he's obviously the low man on the totem pole to <sighs> try and switch that and do a power play on it. It was good. Yeah, I think it, it it fits as well because you can you can really tell right off the bat what's motivating these Ferengi, and you know so Archer can tell right off the bat it's profit, and he could tell right off the bat that this guy is a nobody, and so when he says to him, he's like, "Oh, I thought you were in charge. I was getting the impression that you were in charge." Um, you know, it, it 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 fits. It's like okay, I understand this race and I know how to manipulate them, and and uh, I I think that's what makes the episode fun. It's it's a tongue in cheek episode, but. Uh, it works for me. Yeah, it still doesn't set up the Ferengi as, you know, a hostile or, you know, daunting enemy. Which, no. Yeah. So that's contrasting <laughs> to what they tried to do with Next Generation, and that didn't work either, so. Would they have been more hostile if they had more fur? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Porthos would have run away. <laughs> Excellent. Right on. Well, is there any other comments you have on this episode here tonight, Amy? Uh, no, but I enjoyed it, and uh, I hope that uh, you listeners will go watch it again and reevaluate. It shouldn't be a hated episode of Enterprise. It's a fun one. Yeah, yeah. Give it another view. Watch it. Going into it, you know that it's the Ferengi. You know, just watch it for having fun. I think it's a well-written Ferengi episode. I still have issues with the Ferengi being that far out, but I can get over that to enjoy the episode. And I think it is a really enjoyable Ferengi episode. I think that uh, Ethan Phillips does a great job as a Ferengi. I love him in this role. I think it's wonderful. It's the second time that he's played Ferengi. There was the uh, False Prophets episode of Voyager where they gave him a, uh, uh, what do they call it, the facial reconstruction, uh, plastic surgery or whatever, and turned him into a Ferengi. But uh, I think he does. I think he's in his... He's in his element. He's totally chewing up the scenery. And uh, I need one of those whips. Yeah. <laughs> one of those electric whips. Agreed. Right Agreed. Well, talking about the episode acquisition and the Ferengi in Enterprise is not the only thing we've been talking about here on the network. So take a listen to this quick little clip and see what else you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. <laughs> And one of the things that I caught, you know, was a line that he said in his, you know, if, if I was to um, jump every time I saw a blink, uh, blinking light around here, I'd wind up talking to myself, right? And I was thinking of Star Trek V, and I was like, okay, so that wasn't an original line. I had just kind of forgotten that. To the journey! What would you have done? Well, I'd have, like, programmed my tricorder, open the door, lob it in, shut the door quick. <laughs> Try that first of all. <laughs> So hope you would lob a tricorder probe into the holodeck. Hope it doesn't break as yeah. it lands. Well, you could wrap it in like some gaff tape or something. Some bubble wrap. Melodic tricks. I really like the ant scene. Okay. The red ants. Yeah. I thought that was really cool and it really fit. And I really hated the gopher at the beginning. Yes. Because I'm like, George Lucas, get your greasy fingers off this movie, okay? And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these great shows and find out... Anything you want in any single corner of the universe, be it the coffee corner of the universe with the coffee nebulas of To the Journey, or be the tea corners of the universe with your Earl Grey hot and the wonderful celebrities that host our Earl Grey show. Do you know those guys? Oh, a couple of them. 
couple of them. They're, are they monkeys? <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So you've got a you got a few under your belt. Why don't you tell us everybody listening where they can find you and tell us a little bit about your podcast? Well, I uh, co-host with Lee Hutchison and Richard Marquez for Earl Grey, and we are having a great time. You can find me on Twitter at Miss Amy Nelson. Uh, but my favorite place is on the Babel Conference, Trek FM's dedicated Facebook page. Oh my, that sounds like a lot of fun. How it do they get is. in there? Well, you go ahead and uh, search Babel Conference, B-A-B-E-L, and click join and we'll let you right in. And then the discussions will just continue. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So the Babel Conference is our listeners only group. So just click on, click join. Do the search. We'll let you right on in. Uh, we try and keep it as a respectful place to to discuss Star Trek in a friendly environment where you can have opinions like, Acquisition is the best Star Trek episode ever. And then we'll tell you you're crazy and then we'll talk about it. But, uh, you know, it's it's just a fun place where we can all go and, and chat about Star Trek, which is something that we all love. Um, we got many shows on the network right now that talk about all different aspects, including the 602 Club, which talks about everything not Star Trek. Um, but at this point, we'd like to thank our associate producers for the show. Uh, Floyd Dorsey, who's our host, who's away on a special mission right now. I forgot to mention that at the beginning. He's on a special Section 31 assignment with Agent Harris. Um, but uh, he'll be back next time. I'm I'm very, very, very certain about that. Uh, we have Mike Morrison, who can be found on his show, uh, which is called Metatrex, and that's the show that makes me realize how much I don't know. I love that show. Metatrex is fabulous, and I'm so glad that they're doing it. Yeah, I know that you like that one a lot. So I've been I've listened to all the episodes of it too. I think that their uh, their last one was uh, the last one that I listened to was pretty funny. They talked about the uh, Children of Time episode. That's the as of our recording here. That's the last one that aired. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Mike Morrison is one of our associate producers as well. And then we have a brand new associate producer as well. And his name is Tim Cooper. So we would very much like to thank Tim Cooper uh, for choosing to support Trek FM and for becoming an associate producer of Warp 5. We greatly appreciate it more than you can possibly know. So uh, thank you. Thank you very much. So what if uh, listeners want to become a patron? Oh, that's a that's a great idea. Sorry, I was just actually what I was doing is I was trying to find it. I've I don't have everything open. I'm not used to doing the warp five thing because this part of my melodic tracks I've actually got pre recorded, so I just pop it in every week. So, uh, so if you if you want to find us, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course you can always stream or download the MP3 from our website at track.fm and grab the RSS link as well. If you're an Apple user. Please do us a favor, hit the subscribe button. It makes it easier for other listeners to find the show as they search for iTunes. And if you like what you hear on Warp 5 or any of our other Trek FM shows, please leave us a star rating and review, which will help us greatly increase our visibility for new listeners. Um, another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels. And we have some great perks for you. At the $15 a month, you can join us on our monthly round table where you guys become the podcasters and you can join the different hosts of the network to talk about various different topics. And, uh, 
we uh, we got kind of a little behind on our release schedule, but we're all caught up, and uh, we're we're going to be doing a new one every single month. And in fact, um, the last one that we had recorded, which is going to be recorded in the future, based on us, because again of all those weird time zones, it's going to be recorded this coming Sunday. But you know, this episode's airing in the middle of February and whatnot. But uh, uh, we had an episode on all the people that we lost in 2016. Uh, so that's a f- uh, not a fun topic, but I mean, it's a way for people to get together and, and you know, share and support each other. So check that out. At the $25 a month level, you can become an associate producer of your favorite show on the network. And at the $5 a month uh, level, you can get access to Patreon.zone, which is where you can get, Amy, tell them. You can get the early release. So listen to the episodes, your favorite episodes, before they drop to everyone else. So And you can also get exclusive content, some cool special goodies, deleted scenes or special outtakes. little things. <laughs> outtakes, yeah. Sometimes we have some funny outtakes. Sometimes we have some little funny favorite lists or favorite characters that we talk about or something like that that we just throw on there that's just for you guys that support us at the five dollar level or higher a month uh also if you want to wear your trek fm fandom you can get some great trek fm theme merchandise at the trek fm store it's the best i love my trek fm stuff you bet and the last person that we need to give a special shout out to is tony robinson thank you very much tony for taking over the reins and handling our show art we couldn't release the show without you so thanks so much tony we greatly appreciate that so uh, my name is Brandon. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Brandon Matella. And Floyd is not here today. Uh, he's not on Twitter, but you can find him in the Babel Conference. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you guys again and, and seeing you in the decon chamber or wherever we happen to be. So uh, I'm getting chilly here in my blue underwear. So I'm going to go find a uniform. Amy, uh, you can stop practicing umox on that fake Ferengi head yes <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we can uh, head on out here so have a great day boomers and we'll see you next time on warp 5 <laughs>